welcome to I Was Told There'd Be Food, a podcast by grad students Jen and Alex about all things academia and history. And this week we get to welcome a guest host, Macy. Uh, how do you get academics to attend anything, guys? Promises of food uh, and coffee. And uh, what else? Um, puppies. Puppies. Yeah. Ooh. You know, our campus has started to do a therapy dog thing around all the big exam periods. It's kind of nice. I think we have a, a therapy dog that's just sort of there like every Thursday at our our gym building. Really? Yeah, I've, I've noticed it when I go in the morning that there's a sign for it, like the therapy dog on floor three that you can go and visit once a week. God, I hope it doesn't have to live there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking think exercise is that traumatic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Can be. <laughs> Don't judge. College is stressful, man. So how are you, Macy? Do you want to tell the listeners a bit about yourself? I'd be happy to. I'm doing super well. I am a fourth-year candidate, finally. Ooh, um, yeah. Recently. Yeah. Uh, in history of medicine, um, basically the same program that Alexander's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I study... Uh, botanical medicine and colonial medicine and all sorts of different sorts of things in the 19th and 20th century. But I haven't written my prospectus yet, so I don't have to make a clear statement for another, I don't know, two weeks. No, uh, it's okay. It'll be brilliant when it does come out. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, um, we asked you on actually for a number of different topics that mm-hmm. uh, we think you would be interested in talking more about to graduate students in particular. Yeah. Um, although for this week, uh, going for something that involved a little less prep and a little more real life, mm-hmm. we, uh, we followed your suggestion, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting in graduate school. Oh, boy. Sounds like a good topic to cover. I, w- I should say so, being the only non-parent on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Alex will have all the insight. He could tell us what to do. <laughs> Or I can be like the parent, the, the non-parent who like offers all the great advice okay. about child rearing. <laughs> Single splaining or something. I don't know. Single splaining. <laughs> that is awesome. I've never heard that before, but it's such a thing. Yeah, I. It so is. It so is. Especially, um, like I don't know, at grocery stores, maybe, or sometimes on playgrounds or playdates. Some people tell you about their discipline styles. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk about single parenting or parenting in general. Because you're a parent as well. I'm a parent as well. Um, I have two boys. Uh, Right now, they are, one's in fourth grade and one's in eighth grade. Wow. So, like, it was, I was just thinking about it as I was prepping for this. It's crazy to think about that they were in first grade and preschool when I started my degree. So, they got old during this. Yeah. I didn't age, but they did. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. No, that is... That is quite a jump, actually. It is. Like, when you think about how much children develop over time, it's really crazy when you put those years into perspective with their ages. But It's sort of weird if they ever have to ask, why is it that mom has been in school as long as I've been in school? (laughs) (laughs) Well, tears. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a six-year-old. Now, so I guess I started school when Mo was three, um, so in preschool as well. And my child identifies now as non-binary. So throughout the course of this production, I'll be referring to them as a they, but just so folks know, that's what Mo goes by. All right. 
good that you are already having those conversations with him. So, for they, ah, see, I gotta practice. <laughs> I'm bad at it. <laughs> it's all good. So, one aspect of, of motivating this show is constantly being involved and exposed with the children of friends and colleagues in graduate school and thinking about not only things like having to deal with conversations about you know, growing up and gender and, and all of the really tough things that parents have to do anyway, but particularly the issues that face a lot of students who are parents, either single parents or parents with partners, while also being graduate students, which, as we all know, is an unforgiving time commitment in the best of weeks. So yeah. thinking about, are there, are there particular experiences about being parents in graduate school or, or suggestions that either of you would offer listeners? particularly those sorts of listeners who are maybe wanting to become graduate students or not sure if they're able to continue being graduate students while being parents at the same time? Um, I feel like yeah. there's so many different uh, directions that our earlier conversation could go. But I feel mm. one really important one would be that um, I've now met parents who have come into graduate school with children that were young or older. You know, by young, I guess I mean like less than four or four and younger students, kids that are a bit older and kind of more independent and also have a, a dear friend who chose to have a baby on her own two years in. And so, and what I would say to anybody who is considering maybe parenting and being a graduate student is that it's totally possible um, and that you get to choose uh, if you want to have a family in graduate school, whether or not your friends or family or faculty give you blowback. It's like definitely doable and difficult, but it's totally doable. Yeah. I like to tell people when they ask me, well, how do you do both? I, I say, well, it's, it's just a balancing game. And when I get frustrated with everything related to school, it's kind of nice that I can like shut that off and go into parent mode and go focus on that for a while. And kids are going to get frustrating. <laughs> and when that's like, okay, uh, great. I don't want to deal with you right now. Oh, and look, it's bedtime. Go to bed. Now I'm going to go back into like work mode and think about that. And so like I can, I can shift back and forth, which I think sometimes is actually quite healthy. I totally agree with you. I think that I found that I focus better my energy in both directions, actually. I think my first year I tried to do both simultaneously, like we try to like read, you know, while my child was playing and that was disastrous and didn't, you know, work. Uh <laughs> Did you, <laughs> have you front. tried to read while there's like a lightsaber battle going on around you? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would be an exercise in focus. Like if you possess those superpowers, you should do that. Actually, then you're going to be fine. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's hard. I did that all the time when I babysat for your boys. Uh, right, read while they were battling over the top of you, or while you were, or you know, participating. I can do. I can multitask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much of the reading I remember, but that could just be from lightsaber blows to the head. <laughs> I feel that focus is. I feel that um, parenting does help with like time management's a thing, and you and you have to figure out whatever works for you. But once you do, whether it's like you have work time during the day and you have family time for a period of time and then work once a child goes to bed or, mm -hmm. or you can make that like a different kind of balance with friends or family or partner. Right. Yeah. Your work can probably get richer. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I think so. I hope so. I mean, I think that it just, 
Yes, sometimes I've had like jealousy, like, oh, I'm not going to go out and do the things with all the other grad students or whatever, because I'm going to go home and, you know, be mom and do those things. But on the other hand, I think that because I didn't have the luxury throughout school of always running off to the next great adventure, I focused more and I was able to... I don't know, curtail some of the procrastination that we all have. That actually seems like a yeah, a significant aspect of, of your of compartmentalization that you mentioned earlier, and that it can be motivating to say, I am very tired with this aspect of my life. I have the excuse to shift over to the other thing. But I mean, is that something that you have to cultivate really, uh, or, or really have to plan ahead for to manage your time in that way? Or can it be very organic and, and, and just sort of shift with the day-to-day needs of your schedules um i mean i think it i think it evolves over time i mean like both of us started school with with a a child being very young and you know i had one that was a little bit young and very young but as they became more autonomous over time that has shifted what they need from me which Mm -hmm. changes but then they also go to bed later now it becomes much harder for me to say okay after they go to bed i'm gonna start working because usually that's like late enough that i'm now i'm tired uh but i also get up earlier in the day than i would without kids because i'm not a morning person but i have to get them off to school now and so i've totally lost my train of thought but uh no i'm thinking (laughs) but i'm just thinking about how it evolves so in that sense it's kind of organic i don't and i think every person's gonna be unique but you have to go into it with your eyes wide open it is going to be a balancing act but it's it's doable i just think everybody has to find their own way towards what that is i agree and i so you're to the uh to your point earlier there are events that you can't go to like i think like there are happy hours or like faculty fancy faculty dinners in the middle of the week you know that just are like a scheduling you can't bring your kid and like have them sit and be super duper polite um, but on the other hand, like you don't have to go to like things that you may otherwise not choose to. I'm kind of curious about what your experience has been with with traveling for conferences or for research, how you've managed that. Well, I'm lucky in that I do have a partner. Um, so my husband is in an academic job and that has provided us some flexibility. We don't live near any family, so I've also benefited from friend networks, people willing to take my kids before or after school if Matt has to work during those hours or you know, help us navigate those crazy scheduling things that happen when I have to leave town. Actually, we've got a whole weekend coming up where that's gonna happen or weekend and a couple school days. Um, it's I mean, it's interesting. Actually, I don't know if you guys saw, but AHA is now offering more options for like childcare and childcare grants and things. I didn't see that. So I was kind of, I was impressed because that's not typical. So typically it's a, it's not fun. The, can you be there? Can you take care of it? But at the same time, I don't want to complain too much because I definitely have it easier than some people do. I've noticed that there's been a, many more conferences and other sorts of events offering childcare, which I think is great and I hope keeps on building. And I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. in what the structural motivations for that might be, you know, whether it's demand or whether there's just more sensitivity in larger institutions to there being older students or students who want to parent and have families while they're in school. 
or who might not have partners. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Because there's, yeah, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, there's also, this is happening simultaneously at a time where people are putting off having children till later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I actually, I'm not sure what. what. And I wonder if it's not faculty, professors, as much yeah. as it is just students who are going to these conferences okay. who are, or are also thinking like, but it could also just be that, you know, there is maybe very slowly an emerging sensitivity to family needs when it comes to professorships. We, we talked about this a long time back, I want to say. I don't remember which episode, Jen, maybe you do, about the differences between um, male and female academics and particularly mm-hmm. the strong differences between unmarried, childless uh, adult uh, male professors and um, female professors with children mm-hmm. were the strongest differential between likely promotion to tenure, mm-hmm. likely mm-hmm. recognition in the professional sphere. Yeah. And I don't know, is it is it maybe too hopeful to think that there might be a slow turnaround in that? I don't know. It's a possibility. But can can we just go back and focus on the fact that you talked about professors being adults um are are there non-adult professors i'm just curious uh did doogie hauser ever teach (laughs) 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 there's bound to be some i don't have that much to add to this episode you were so serious though i just you know well there's three of us again so i have to be the serious one now (laughs) oh forgot that's how it works um, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can hope that it's it's a growing sensitivity and awareness. It's probably somewhat the changing demographics of the profession itself. I do think that if we're looking at it from the standpoint of uh, faculty driving this and they're having children later in life, there could be some connection there between small children wanting to to be able to take them along or have some sort of grant to help in the aspects of childcare when you're gone, you know. So it, I think it's just probably changing demographics all the way around with a bit of growing awareness, but it's a trend in the right direction. I agree. Although I think there's like there's a persistent question for me in my life. I mean, that I think is germane to the topic around um, what we've been really been talking about, about how much one integrates. How much do I feel comfortable integrating my family and my professional lives? Um, how much do I feel comfortable having my child in my professional spheres or mm-hmm. at my workplace, at faculty dinners, mm-hmm. or at a conference? Uh, and I say that because I think that there is also a very real like kind of persona or person I actually um, get to be in a professional environment that I don't get to be when I'm with my kid. Uh, And that would be, so on the one hand, it'd be a great thing to have my child with me at a conference because then that would be like a big hassle that I wouldn't have to deal with. And on the other hand, um, I would have, you know, that like 30% of my brain still like very much engaged with what my kids' needs are instead of Mm -hmm. completely... Um, like turning that over to another person. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even if I had the option, I don't know that I would want my kids with me for a work type travel event, conference, research, whatever. Uh, You know, last summer, was it last summer? Oh my gosh, I'm losing track of timelines. Last summer, I had a research fellowship and I was gone for a month. I did get to see my family every weekend and that was perfect because I did miss them, of course, but 
it was much easier to just, I'm working in the archives from open to close afterwards. I'm, you know, combination of vegging out and trying to synthesize what, what I researched during the day. And to have to, to have to shut that off and switch into, like you said, like it's a different persona. And, and I'm glad I, I didn't have to do that. I can't really, I personally can't imagine wanting to take my child to a conference, but I also applaud the sensitivity to, you know, making those options available. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Because It's never, interesting. I'm sorry. No, I was just thinking, because I've never done it like with an infant, say, if you, um, yeah. maybe you're choosing to breastfeed and things like, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it would make your life easier if you had your child there. For me, I think it would make it harder. Yes. Yeah, it would make things a lot easier. I'm curious in your experience if you've seen many, um, since we're on the subject of breastfeeding, and that wasn't an issue for me since my child was no longer breastfeeding by the time I Yeah, I didn't school. have that issue either, yeah. Yeah, but do you see many people at um, history professional conferences or in, in seminars or in spaces with infants and breastfeeding? No, and I don't really see... I don't know. I'm trying to think. I've seen actually more faculty recently bring infants around. Um, I know like the first time I had to bring my kids into the office for whatever reason, I was super nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And I have to say everybody was pretty great about it. But I also, I don't know if it's because I'm a student and not faculty, but I always feel slightly off-footed if I have to do that and I worry about it. So... I tend to try to keep as much separation as possible, though, I mean, Alex was one of the people, it's like, uh, I have no option, I have to bring my kids in, and I have to go teach. You want to watch the kids in the office while I teach? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember there being so much of a question, just sort of an assumption. <laughs> Which was fine, because I, I love your boys, and it's always nice to spend time with them, yeah. even if they're really bored around your office. Oh, yeah, no, it's really hard to keep them entertained there, because there's not much to do, but... No, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that that's an important aspect of being able to do this is like supportive networks of yes. other grad students and people around you, because I, I have found that. I would agree. And have maybe making them on purpose, like yeah. being, I mean, it, it's not a fun thing to ask always for help, especially if you're an incoming graduate student who is in a new space. Um, and so it's a good thing to just sort of jump, I think. Yeah, but that is, I mean, yeah. And it, yeah, we all have different needs. We all have different ways we can help each other. And if it's, you know, entertain my kid by throwing around a rubber ducky for half an hour, you know. <laughs> hey, you, you laugh, but it worked that one time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> can I say one more thing about networks is uh, I think first people who are considering um, either having a child while in graduate school or going to graduate school with kids, uh, it is worthwhile to look into the school resources that may be harder to find. Um, but the University of Minnesota recently started offering a childcare grant uh, that are available to graduate and professional students. They hadn't mm -hmm. offered it, unfortunately, um, a couple of years ago, but that's new this year. And I don't know how well publicized it is. So, uh, and there's also like the Hennepin County has childcare grants as well. Like there's a, the social service networks wherever one is, which one is often eligible for. Mm -hmm. If you're moving into a new place, depending on which state and county you're in, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are also things you might not think about if you're a single person or a person that's just partnered but childless mm -hmm. versus a person who has a young child. Yeah.
So what do you feel like has been the hardest part of having a kid while in grad school? We've kind of been rosy about this picture, but it is hard. <laughs> yes. I feel like, I think feeling like I don't give my kid always my best energy, like the, or my, the most focus. I can be kind of grouchy in the mornings, you know, or in the after, in the evenings if I'm stressed about school mm-hmm. and the other person in the house is not getting I can like load the parent guilt and I kind of wonder if that's mom guilt, you know, like how gendered <laughs> that is upon myself around like whether or not I'm being a, a good parent. Yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. And I think that the other side is just sort of like an extra dose of imposter syndrome. Like, am I, you know, on the one hand, I'm having the mom guilt. And on the other hand, I'm feeling sometimes like, am I putting like, are people judging me because you know, my kid got sick and, or I can't be at an event because I have kids who have to go to a practice or whatever. And I have to be there to play taxi cab driver. And so, you know, and so I do like, I feel like I'm always worried on both sides of it. Yes. I agree with you. I feel always worried on both sides of it. And I don't know, maybe that's my character, you know, or not, (laughs) but I do share that with you. Yeah. And especially as my child is growing older and has kind of these optional events, like a performance, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. like a school function mm-hmm. that I don't know. I feel like balancing whether or not to show up for. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's hard. Cause some of it, you know, is going to be a waste of time, but then you feel guilty because, you know, yeah. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I totally feel that too. I think one of the other things I found really hard that was very specifically gendered was my program requires a year abroad at one of our partner institutions. And we had hoped the whole family would be able to go and that didn't work out that way. My husband couldn't take off from his job for the whole time. And we opted to keep the kids in their own school and familiar environment because it's already hard enough to move to another country. So I went on my own and I got a lot of pushback for that a Mm. lot of like how can you leave your kids and stuff and in a way that you know men leave for work trips all the time extended work trips and and usually aren't questioned in that way so that was maybe my hardest single like episode as a parent in grad school which is obviously a very unique situation because most grad schools don't require a year abroad but But there is, I think, just generally some of those things, like when you travel for conferences or research or work and have to be away, society likes to give the the mothers a a little extra dose of guilt on that. Like, well, how could you? Yeah, and from some surprising sources sometimes, too. I had a friend recently say, you're gone too much to me. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that this familiar tension of like, but I'm not, like, I'm really not gone. I don't know. How am I, what am I supposed to do here? Because it, you and there is no, there's no actual answer. It's, it's a balance and there's a guess, a lot of guesswork on either direction. Is this thing going to be worth it? Is this conference important or not? How do you even know if a conference is important? I don't know. You know, and maybe yeah, friends right. who have a little more sympathy for the fact that this is a, a, often a very gendered set of accusations. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It is. Right. Because my husband, when he would go places for things while he was in grad school, he, he never got these questions and you know, he left for a thing in Germany, like, just a couple weeks after our second kid was born, and nobody, like, questioned that, except for mm-hmm. me, sitting there with those part of like, you're leaving me, I can't do this, you know, but it, it's fine, yeah. we survived. 
<laughs> Alex's face right now is very funny. I wish you could all see it. <laughs> I don't know. That's why but it's I, not a video podcast. I will say this. As hard as it has been, I mean, I'm raising two boys. And they're proud of their mom. And they are learning a lesson about women, what women can do and can accomplish. And so when they become men, they're going to remember this. And I think it's a, it's a good life lesson for them. And so I just defended my dissertation a couple weeks ago and passed. And the pride that they had for me, I mean, that's something I'm going to cherish forever. So, so it's yeah. good. It comes out good, I think. Mostly. I will hold you as my inspiration then in the next couple of years. That, that's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, that got tappy. So let's do some history trivia challenge. And Right. It's good to be professionally inspiring, but now in our leisure time. <laughs> do you want to start? Okay. Who should I ask? How are, um, I'm going to go around here. Why don't you ask, uh, you ask me? Macy? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if I get a history trivia. Okay. So here's your question, Macy. Who's the only person to be elected twice as vice president and twice as president? I don't know. Hmm. Not Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Good deduction. I have no idea. <laughs> it's uh, Richard Nixon. Really? Oh, okay. Huh, huh. For a second, I was thinking it was H.W. Bush, but he was only president once, so I, I wasn't sure. It's like 16 years. That's a lot of Nixon. Yeah, yeah. that was a lot of Nixon. Dang. But it wasn't back Looking to back. About. There was a gap. Right. He was still Because he though. was yeah. Eisenhower's <laughs> vice president, and then he sat out, and then he was president. So. Okay, I have a question for Alexander. All right. You ready for this? Yep. What document did President Andrew Johnson want a copy of placed under his head upon his burial? Upon his burial document. Um, I don't suppose it would have been the rescinding of Nicholas Biddle's deed to the Bank of the United States. So I'm going to say the Declaration of Independence. Incorrect. It was the U.S. Constitution. Uh, okay. You're pretty close, though. You were close. Jen, last question is for you. What British leader was once dubbed, quote, Attila the Hen? A British leader dubbed Attila the Hen? Uh-huh. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm not good at British stuff, which you knew when you picked that. Um, I can't even think of anybody except for Churchill, and it's not Churchill, but I'll go with It's that. the other famous 20th century British leader. I don't know. Margaret Thatcher. Oh, see, I was thinking that they were trying to be, okay, because of our gendered conversation, I was thinking they were trying to be derogatory by calling a man a hen instead. I was not well. at all thinking of using it up for a woman. I think it might still be derogatory in this case. But then again, you know, Margaret Thatcher, so. Yeah. You see, I'm trying, I was just trying to block her out, I guess. I don't know. I, I think, yeah, that, that seems like the healthy response. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any last words? Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Macy, for joining us this week. Thank you, Macy. to our listeners. You can contact us at academicsneedfood at gmail.com or tweet us at IWTTBFpod. Thanks to Brian Jones for our music. And it's time to go because... We, we should, should be, be writing. writing.